0: Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 119 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, John Stabler, and tonight's show celebrates the Rio Olympics, and I'm joined by three guys who are dedicated to their sport. Talented in many disciplines, we're joined by the Daily Thompson of the creative arts, Alan Stroud.
1: Yeah, talented apart from in reading tonight, (laughs) obviously. To be fair, (laughs) I changed the notes like, like 20 seconds ago. Ah, okay, uh, fine, oh. fair enough. I, I'd I, I not seen to be honest, but good evening, everybody. Um, we are experiencing experiencing some technical glitches this evening. We may speed up and slow down a little bit. That uh, I'm already noticing. Probably that's an Olympic thing. Who knows?
0: It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, also joining us, he's the longest-serving oil and cream application expert for the volleyball team. It's Ben Mosswood. I
2: <laughs> get it out. <laughs>
0: Uh, and also joining us, he does a lot of the heavy lifting on, on the podcast, so it's no surprise he holds the world record for Snatch. It's Grand, Cy- Grand Psycho Cal Walcott. I, I, couldn't, I
3: couldn't say it. <laughs> I knew oh, was me going to say, Bane, you got to squeeze out from the bottom first.
1: Uh, well, good evening. Hello, everybody. Uh, dear. We've missed you, John.
0: That was my call with the intro. Barely got through it. Barely uh right okay I got it. I'll go with the script now. So if you want, you can join us live. We're hanging out in game, or well, Ben is, aren't you Ben? Are you? Uh... I am in game. I'm
4: I'm currently lurking outside of Jack Station, in a pretty nebula with rings and a flying space station that got lost.
1: So yeah, but it's very pretty. Obviously, if you know, if you're anywhere near Lave then start heading over to Jack's, because you'll probably make it by the end of the show. No, not at all. <laughs> Who well, are you heckers like?
4: Yeah. You might make it by episode... This is episode 119, team. So if you rush, you yeah. might make it by episode
0: 121. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, if you're if you're in that area, then you can find Ben. Uh, but if you want to, you can check out our IRC channel if you go to liveradio.com forward slash live you'll find an IRC channel there you can join us and we're also on twitch twitch.tv forward slash radio so
1: alan what have you been up to i've had a busy week um what have we done let's see uh well i've got a lot of book reviews that i've had to to get finished which is is good um i've been working on wisemir four which is the the fourth book in the wisemir series I'm now over halfway on Wismere 4, which is great. So uh that one's that one's been coming for a little while because I, I stopped I stopped writing Whisomeir um while I was writing Live Revolution and um uh then then carried on with some other books. So I've just gone back to it. And um yeah, so hoping to get that out before the end of the year. Uh working on some stuff for the students. Um they've got a an anthology publication coming up fairly soon. Yeah, you know it's 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 good. I mean, we've we've had a week or so of sort of trying to sort out things in the house to uh, recover from Lavecon by putting away things from Lavecon. There are so many things from Lavecon uh, and uh, preparing for Nine Worlds because I'm at Nine Worlds this weekend, which uh, is going to be great. I've got to present a, a paper on gaming. I've got to present um, a workshop on virtual reality, and uh, I'm doing a talk, a panel talk on Star Wars. So yeah.
0: Oh, I didn't know you were a Star Wars expert. Apparently, I am.
1: <laughs> okay, all right,
0: fine. I, I just thought that maybe that this one one bit of information about you had slipped me by. But okay,
2: uh, fine.
1: Uh, well, I, I, you know, I I know about the Zan novels, and I know about the um, uh, you know, the the previous canon and what have you. And and to be honest, I'm on there to talk about canon um, because obviously oh, that's okay. my sort of academic area. So yeah, you know, I can I can I can talk Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so, so,
4: what's your take on t- on um, Timothy Zahn's people coming back into the uh, into the universe with Grand Admiral Thrawn returning in Rebels?
1: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? They're kind of um, they've got a blueprint of their own here because um, usually, you know, when you see, um, well, when Star Wars made the decision to effectively um, retcon out all of the existing fiction. To bring in what they, uh, you know, they were choosing to do, they are essentially breaking new ground in doing this because they, there isn't any other franchise at, at this particular level that has kind of done that. We've seen it in comics, though. You know, comics have, have done it quite a lot. So I guess there's a parallel, and I guess it's, you know, there's a, a an application of that kind of design process. Um, this could get really boring, Ben. Just shut me up if I, if I, you know, if I get too boring. Um, <laughs> okay, so, we'll, we'll yeah. you off there. <laughs> yeah good timing yeah yeah go on move on
4: i'm, I'm excited to see thrown back again let's leave it at that
1: yeah 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 no absolutely i am excited to see grand labral thrown back again um the xan novels were were my favorite um star wars novels of the time uh apart from return of the jedi if you've not read the the fiction version of return of the jedi it's actually absolutely, absolutely fantastic it's the one that um george lucas didn't write um and it's brilliantly written is so it? Is better than the film though I uh, don't know. Don't know if I, I could say that. Um, I love the film. So, in your opinion, um, yeah, I don't know if. I... Well, I, the the battle scenes at the end of Return of the Jedi, the book, um, are they're one of the they were one of the source books I used for Lave Revolution because I think they're one of the best written sequences of. And considering the guy who was writing it, um, and I'm looking around to try and see if I can see my copy to get his name, but uh, it doesn't appear to be it's James something. Um, anyway considering the guy that was writing it was writing it to try and match it to the cinematography um, it's incredible you know and the the writing of that is incredible and actually Zan's stuff that was one of the things I loved about Zan's stuff was the you know the sort of naval writing you know the, the space navy writing I think he did incredibly well
0: all right what's been keeping you busy Ben?
4: I've made it to Jack's. Uh, We had absolute madness on Sunday where we went out and spelt the letters J to J outside of Jack's uh, outside of Jack's station, Um, which, well, you you know what it's like herding cats and herding commanders in a 3D environment who have probably had a few to drink because, you know, we're celebrating making it all the way here was an interesting experience with lots and lots of premature chaffing going on everywhere. Um, the client was buggy. We had commanders vanishing on us. But we got there in the end and, you know, for random reasons, because we could, we wrote out J2J in space. And who doesn't like doing that?
0: Um, apart yeah, so, from that yeah, m- Jack. Maybe you need to explain to me why you did that. Because I'm I, okay, out the loop. So- Pretend I've never played the game. <laughs> right, so Jax, way
4: back when, jumped, decided he's going to go off and visit Beagle Point. You are aware of who Jax is, I am assuming.
0: Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, fine. We'll, we'll go okay, with yeah. that. I, yeah, I, I, I won't,
4: won't assume that. Right, Jax is a. Ro- Alan can probably explain this far better than I can, but Jax is a android yeah, bartender, cyborg well, bartender, um, who yeah, is somehow basically... integrated into his space station. Go, Alan.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say basically, John, there was an old plot in the in the previous games about this bartender from a space station who wanted to effectively find a way to um, move the entire space station so that he could um, gallivant around the, the the galaxy looking at things. So he always wanted to turn the, the space station into the this massive ship, and Frontier decided to turn that into a, an ongoing story in Elite Dangerous, which I think is awesome. You know, it, it's probably not as automated as um, as maybe um, they'd like it to be at the moment. I think there's quite a lot of you know heavy lifting that people have to do to move stuff um, at particular times, but I could be wrong um, in that regard. But yeah, you know, great idea to have a mobile space station. So yeah, okay, great. So um,
0: so it's a bit difficult to get to at the moment. And you all went there, and you it's all a, made J and
4: J. We made J to J, and we're basically we're repairing Jax, because it's most of the way to Sagittarius A, and it's being rebuilt as a potential for a second bubble for humanity, which could be a good idea. Uh, so okay. basically, we're all working very hard on fixing Jax up, so we can then start getting a proper outpost done, and then maybe proper space a proper space station to actually be built and start getting this place pop- uh, colonized
3: okay. so if
4: you actually have a look on my stream at the moment Alan you will see the rather chunky engines that Jax has shoved onto the back of his orbis that and the, the, they are they are a sight to, they are a sight to behold
0: okay okay i'll have a look uh what else have you been up to ben and have uh, just been well, I've been playing Doom apart, from, apart and... from that. I've
4: been playing Doom, ah, do. um, okay. and I've been being poorly, and I went to a wedding. Not oh, very nice. But no, Grant. no one else cares about the wedding apart from our family. No,
3: they probably don't. Grant. Yeah. Yeah, I've had an an an, an awesome busy week, but. I know some people are thinking I was going to be away to Edinburgh tonight. No, it's Thursday night. I'm going to go up and see Mercy and the Wild Sea, the elite dangerous musical rock opera, which has been going well by all accounts. And although there may be some confused old people <laughs> walking there going, what was that about? Um, apparently those who have a little bit of uh, elite knowledge or experience are loving it. So I'm looking forward to that very much. Um, we had the cats um, neutered this week, so... That was not so good for them, um, but we did get some interesting news, which I think is good news. Is that they are suspected of having something called uh, the Khaleesi virus now. I, for one, cannot wait until they start farting out dragons. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, uh, that's uh, a bit apparently of a Game
0: of Thrones reference there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I I I I don't watch Game. Game of Thrones. As I only know that because people keep on talking about it. But you know, I, I, I assume not everyone watches Game of Thrones, do they? I think everyone.
1: I think everyone is. I think yeah. Everyone yeah, yeah I think everyone watches it. Yeah. Every- yeah. yeah, it's mandatory. Yeah, everyone watches it apart from you, John. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel special. Now. So
3: yeah, they, they, you know, I'm wait, waiting with bated breath. But no, actually, it turns out it's, it's got nothing to do with dragons or Game of Thrones. It's just a bit disappointing. Oh no, actually, you know this is this is where it stops being funny. It's it's going to be a lifelong condition that we are going to and this is this is where it gets even more ridiculous. Um, Having to maintain good oral hygiene in kittens. <laughs> Have you? Has anyone ever tried brushing a cat's teeth? It's just this is not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Den-
1: yeah, so. Dentabits, got... Grant. Grant, Dentabits.
3: Well, no, because it's not. That's not enough.
1: That's not is enough not? because this uh, is apparently
3: a virus which is very difficult to eradicate in catteries and anywhere with lots of cats. I know this is fascinating for you elite fans out there, um, <laughs> but it lives in the gum I, and it. It, it essentially can lead to some pretty seriously nasty uh infections, uh, basically it's a doorway virus, so it just lets everything else in, so maintaining and keeping it under control with good uh, treatment of uh, different types of specialist um, toothpaste and things to try and keep the virus under check uh, is the only way to maintain it, otherwise it could end up with you know, all teeth being removed, which I think my furniture would appreciate, but, you know you don't want that, cats are going to have fun, yeah. so there was that so the cats at the vets was one thing and I set up the Vive on the strength of a wonderful Reddit thing. I think we're going to come to that later on in the show and talk about that. Now, I was trying beyond all attempts to make sure that I could stream and show you what this thing was. Has Sadly, it's not something that works well with live broadcasting as each and every one of the little applications involved are resource whores and (laughs) you heard the audio effects that it had so we've been that but we'll talk about that later on i think Uh, i've not got the show notes open yet but we will so vibes all set up and i've been tripping away at my journey to jacks um and i've been you know configuring voice attack and uh, ed discovery plugins and eddb and trying to get the EDDI application running. Now, this is all stuff that will make Alan turn over on his seat because you hate third-party things that make the game easier for you. But actually, these are, uh, I would call them atmospheric. So with the EDDI and voice attack, whenever I jump into a known system or somewhere I've been, it will tell me how when I was last there what the system is, what it's kind of law, f- if it's got a lot of police force or not, it'll tell me all about that system, and um, it's got a good sort of initial kind of, oh, interesting, that's that's quite, yeah, quite clever, and it also triggers all the various different tools to sort of track, so you can have your EDSM tracking each and every jump that you make, so... Um, that's what I've been doing, blazing a trail out towards Jack's at a grand total of, well, this next jump, 7.98 light years, so it's been taking me hours and hours and hours, and I'm not even quite halfway there yet. So, no doubt, by the time I get there, the new bubble will have been formed, destroyed by whatever alien race is about to visit us, and I'll arrive there just in time to see Jack station jumping. And, you know, it's just going to be that kind of, you know, effort. You get all the way out there and there's nothing there to see anymore. So
1: I'm really looking forward to swearing when that happens. To be honest, um, I'm coming around to um, uh, to APIs, uh, particularly starting to see a lot more um, stuff that's being produced that isn't just about convenience. It isn't about shortcutting. And I think that's probably where I was, I was less you know less sort of less enamored with them um you're seeing a lot more now that's very pretty and very very much part of immersion which i think is great so so yeah so i'm i'm quite happy to to stand up and shout loudly that um uh i'm i was wrong um and you know and (laughs) that people are people are putting um some great contributions in in terms of the way in which they're you know they're creating a um you know an enhancement to the way in which the game's played, which I think is 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 excellent.
0: Wow, you heard it here hear, hear first, folks. Alan was wrong, but uh, it's only taken...
1: Oh, no, 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 no! come on. <laughs> no, come on, come on. That, that's a cheap shot. That's, that's not fair. No, I have always said, when I, you know, I did the oh, same okay. with the immersive sound stuff. Um, I've always said, whenever I, you know, whenever I reconsider a, a, a view on something... I, I fess up as, as loud as I, uh, uh, as I considered it in the first place. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I still think there's some, some areas where essentially there's a bit of shortcutting, you know, and that APIs are, are just are shortcutting and it's kind of lessening the game experience. But there's a lot of people producing stuff now where it's, you know, it's very much enhancing things, which I think Wait. is really cool. I mean, you've got, obviously, you know, you've got your
3: Slopey's trade tools and things, which are easy ways of uh, logging the prices in order for people who, you know, haven't followed the in-game prompts, which are pretty woeful, really. Surely, you know, you would get some kind of trading papers... Um, that you would get delivered to your sidewinder on a weekly basis with the sort of, you know, out-of-date prices, but a good indicator um, of like where... Uh, financial times or something. Yeah, like something on those lines. You'd be sitting there with your broadsheets, you know, about you know, the size of a T9 spread out over your windshield as you're trying to work out. Right, I've got that. Let's go and check and see where that is. Jack's right dead. And... Um, yeah, I mean the trade tools. I think they're actually really, really good for those players that are struggling to get into the game. Um, but I think all the map enhancements for community goals has been a huge improvement. But the 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 actual map the edsm stuff is amazing and with the ed discovery plugin i can see routes plotted for all the journeys that i have done logged at edsm so you've got my own little personal star map and i can see that i'm heading out in the right direction at the current minute and um, it's really fascinating to have your own historical data and i think that's where you know you're probably coming round to it, is the fact this isn't anyone else's data that i am then using to my own advantage to save me the experimentation it was, it's having something that's keeping track of everything that i do so that i can go back and review it and i can go back and say now what yeah. system was that was and that that is a huge uh, benefit yeah. and makes the game really quite exciting again even though all i am doing is jumping yeah jumping it's,
1: it's, it's getting back to getting back to the idea of the you know the commander's diary, isn't it? The commander's journal, um, which I think you know we, we we've talked about for so long to you know hopefully that they would eventually implement. Um, yeah, you know you want that kind of thing in game, don't you? You want a f- sort of free journaling game that people can you know park up in the middle of space and start talking about what they've been up to.
0: Okay. Uh, before we do development news, what have I been up to? Um, uh, the only bit of news I've got is uh, my employer has finally agreed to release me once a week so I can go and teach these kids uh, code in a primary school have I mentioned this before? no you haven't, that it sounds really cool yeah, oh, that's right. fantastic it's just halfway through I thought maybe I think I might have mentioned this before last time I was on uh, but <clears throat> no, I've been planning it for a while um, but obviously it was contingent on me being able to finish early one day of each week during term time so I can get back to the school, because it's in my local village, so I've got to get from Cardiff to where I live. Uh, And yeah, so I'll be teaching kids how to make games. Can you believe it? So yeah, so I'm going to be preparing lots of PowerPoint presentations and lots of code snippets and things like that, uh, ready to rock and roll. So um, I'm hoping to publish uh, whatever materials I make, so that if anybody else wants to do something similar, they can. I mean, there's already bags and bags of support out there anyway, because there's a, there's like a, a school coding club, there's an official group uh, out there which already supports a lot of people. But I'm kind of doing something a little bit different because I'd like that. Um, I, I was
1: I was going to say one one of my first pieces of advice about teaching John is that kids don't respond well to PowerPoint presentations. No, uh,
0: no, it, it's. <laughs> I wasn't going to be there with sixty slides. It was, it was literally a way to assemble graphics on a screen okay. to be put onto a projector more than.
3: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that that could have been fun. <laughs> well, not for them, it would No, really. no, um, no, no, they really wouldn't have.
0: But uh, apparently um, it's kind of captured uh, a few people's imaginations, and it sounds like I'm actually going to be teaching a few of the teachers as well who are going to be interested
1: in learning to code. So, so what, are you, what are you starting in? What um, are, you scra- are you using Scratch? or? Well, the usual thing is Scratch,
0: but um, I've got my own kind of philosophy on it. Uh, so I'm going to be using um, a richer multimedia tool, which is okay. more geared towards games. Because Scratch is a very—it's the, the 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 stuff that they've got is very generic. Mm. Um, whereas um, I, I know these kids, and I know that they really love playing games. They've they've got a Minecraft club at their school. One right. night a week, they all get together and they play Minecraft. So you know, I I know that they're big into their games, and so I wanted to kind of make it, you know, a bit more game centric. Sure. Uh, and I know that they're really clever kids, and they'll be able to handle it. So that's what I'm going to do. And I think the first major project that we're going to tackle um, is going to be Pang or a version of Pang. Have any of you played Pang? Uh no. A Japanese game. It was where where with you got the bubbles, and you've got a fire like a little um, grappling hook, and split the bubbles
1: up. Oh uh, okay. All right. Yeah, sounds cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you
1: can you can YouTube
0: it later. I'm I I will. Okay. So it's a very simple game. Like, it was either that or it was going to be Arkanoid or something like that. But
1: you, know. ah, you, you see, I don't, I, well, you know, you, you know you know best what is, but as soon as you said it, I sat there thinking, oh, a, a, you know, a simple flight simulator, maybe rescue on Fractalus. You know? <laughs> we you should know. remake Elite. <laughs> no, 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 rescue on Fractalus with all that, you know, sort of um, uh, going over the place and trying to pick up stranded pilots because um, that was that was really cool but Space you know taxi, yeah yeah, cool. yeah. Or, or um what was the other one that um uh lander wasn't it or was it lander that got released on the um the archimedes? On the archimedes yeah 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 the the one where you you had this sort of strange elite style ship that you had to um control over the ground was that um, david braver i don't know was it any guys I do not know at all. No, <laughs> somebody's going to Google. There we go. Okay. I'm googling okay. it. It's, uh... Uh, I'm not sure. I you know I can't remember, but it, it certainly had the same sort of isometric detail and stuff. And it was it was great fun, and it was um, one of those ones that you you know you played similar to Elite. One of those ones that you played at school, which was was always good.
0: <clears throat> no, I don't know if it was pretty and I don't know why. I just I think I maybe he just mentioned it in an interview. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember that it was like basically thrust, but in three D, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. And it was it was over the ground, so of course you 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 know, you were trying to avoid obstacles on the ground as well as doing anything else.
0: Yeah, I love that that um, aesthetic where you had the ground is made up of those squares. Yep. And I was reminded, did you play Z Wolf on the Amiga? It was it was exactly like that, but you were a helicopter, but it was practically just lander. But, no, um,
1: no, not me. That would have been a Jarvis thing, I think. Probably. Uh, fine.
0: Okay, so that's what I've been doing, and uh, I will keep you up to speed. I'll probably uh, – I start in September, actually, doing the club. So Sounds great. Time to prepare. No doubt I'll be coming back in September, and I'll be saying, ah, I hate it. <laughs> I don't know. I hope not, but we'll see. Okay, right, time for some development news. And I have the newsletter. There's, now, for me, these newsletters are getting more and more community every week. Or is it me?
3: Um, no, it's different... not just you. Yeah, last week was pretty much all community updates, which you know, it's it's, it's nice, but not so good for us. No, no. I, uh, yeah, I got no problem with community stuff. It's nice to see
0: everybody's, you know, taking pics of weird and wonderful things. You got Ed in a red hazmat suit, and you've got uh, just the amount of content that people are creating. You know, logos for their crews and. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a real living, breathing community in-game, uh, which always amazes me. But uh, there's lots of pictures of these shells. What are shells? Exactly. Are these... Do uh, you mean they, the barnacles? They, well, no, barnacles. I've seen... Oh, right. They, it just must look different in this picture. I've, se- I've, I've seen bar- I thought I'd seen barnacles before, but it's probably because it's lit better in this picture. Yeah, uh, yeah. Help
3: they look like they look like yeah, um, the barnacles. Sh- they look like shells, um, and yes, there's been loads, loads of stuff going on with the barnacles, and I think it's going to continue to rage on uh, <laughs> over the next. Well, wow, crikey, who knows how long it's going to be before whatever happens is going to happen.
1: Well, it, it does strike me that whenever they're just just on the, the matter of the photos of them, whenever they're taken, is it just me, but do they look pretty crap? Um, in the they, you know the the actual objects themselves when you 're in game and you you have a look and, and everything else' they're, they're fine enough, but they just look kind of stuck on the landscape yeah you
0: know what it, I
1: mean there's no kind of blending at the bottom no like, so. it's, it's, and it's quite strange because every other thing in the game has quite a lot of um, you know, of quite careful shading blending um, you know and, and we've we've talked you know for a number of weeks about the gradual improvement of graphics across the game, uh, you know, in the ships, and, and everything to do with, you know, with sort of Elite Dangerous, and it's the barnacles that always look like a throwback. They always look like they've come out of Something. Like one of
0: the first PlayStation Two 3D games, where everything kind of looks like it's just been stuck onto a
1: yeah, or DirectX Nine or Direct, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 You know, maybe maybe out of Artemis or out of. Um, um... I hope there's no developers listening to us slating their work. <laughs> well, no, I, I I wonder, and I was I was kind of coming to a point that wasn't quite as you know as negative and cynical. Um, I wonder if that's part of the the coding relating to it because. The way, in which, you know, the way in which these things are sprouting out of the landscape, does it suggest that in some way this is, um, this is procedural rather than it being um, uh, completely crafted? Do you see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, the arrangement of these barnacles and these tendrils or whatever they are coming out, I mean, I've never seen one in real life. I mean, so have you guys seen them? <laughs> not sorry, not in real
1: life. Or in the... <laughs> I I don't know, but there's some things in my garden right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll rephrase. It. I haven't seen any of
0: these in game. Okay, so I mean, are there variations upon them, or do they all look the same?
1: Well, it, it, Colin's Collins, our resident barnacle expert, because Collins kind of, um, getting involved in that that element of the story and the 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 ongoing investigation but yeah no they you know they um i I think there's i I don't know ben uh, i don't think the arrangements are always the same are they from what i've seen they always seem to be the same when i've looked at them okay
4: uh right down to the they've got the same pattern and things like that on the top on the top of one of the shelves
1: right okay
4: so all the ones i've seen i think are the same (laughs) But they are. They might well be evolving. Things are definitely changing. Hmm. Uh, But whether the barnacles are one of the things that is changing, I don't know.
0: Because I want that middle bit to open up to reveal a (laughs) Salax. That would be awesome if they did that. I
1: Uh, I uh, think uh, A a giant Michael Brooks is going to crawl out. (laughs) Covered in in goo. an axe well I was going
0: to say naked except he's grown his beard oh, to, no. to cover his front <laughs>
3: uh, you out. You, you're now not just having a go at Devs, but you're going to have a go at Michael Brooks who does actually have very big axes um...
1: <laughs> well I, I was I, you know I, I was kind of okay yeah fine <laughs>
0: I was just trying to, you know, make out that he was emerging as some Greek god or something like that. I wasn't just trying to embarrass. I, him. I was,
1: go- I was going for alien and the chestburster, but you know that's fine. <laughs>
0: fine, right? We'll drop that. Okay. <laughs> Does anybody else have anything they want to say about the uh, community newsletter?
1: Well, we've got s- some interesting stuff relating to the, the, you know, the, the elements of Gownet, which we're kind of touching on a little bit here. Um and we've got a little bit later in the show which we're gonna talk about um on uh on Gownet. Um specifically the uh the graveyard, but yeah we'll we'll come to that. Um yeah, it you know, I mean it's it's you know what what we've kind of said, isn't it? You know, a lot of community stuff. Um it is, you know, nice to see the stuff about special effect again. You know, obviously that uh you know anything Relating to to charity and charity, and um, some of these pictures are are very pretty. I'm starting to worry about my graphics card. Um, you know, it, it might be that um, I'm going to have to do something about it.
0: Hmm.
4: Okay.
0: All right. Well, we'll we'll touch on those other subjects. So, uh, time for. Um, uh, we don't really have a main discussion. We'll make something up in a bit. But in uh, community corner, I've got m- more weirdness and um, start of main. Now, I actually read this. Uh, this poor commander
1: Fizzlebub. He
0: seems to have lost his ship.
4: I'm sorry. What's his name?
0: Sorry, sorry, uh, to pronounce
1: it. It's Fizzlebub. Um, Fizzlebub. Sorry. Fizzlebub. Um.
0: Not Fizzlebub. <laughs> no, what's Fizzlebub? Is that something else? Is that a character out of some show I don't know about? Uh,
1: well, I, I don't think so. Okay. No, yeah. it, it's Phil anyway, so uh, uh, as I say, I, I know Phil. So um, Sorry, Phil. He's uh, he's a lovely chap, and he's um, uh, slightly obsessed. What was interesting is that the week before this happened, uh, he was questioning me about Thargoids, and... Um, Asking me all sorts of stuff, and you know, saying you know what what what's happening with this and what's happening with that, and of course, you know, you're kind of saying, well, there's some information in this book and some information in this book, and you no, know, you you know, because he's come to the game a little bit later than than some other people, um, but then he was he was playing, uh, went down in his lander, and um, sent his ship away, and then checked to see where his ship had gone, um, and then when you see where his ship actually went to. And how far away it went, um things do start to get very weird. Very weird indeed. So it's something like what, sixty-nine trillion light years away?
0: Right, so what, it's it's gone <laughs> through a black hole or something.
1: It's so far away. It's it's nine nine comma two two three, comma, three seven two, comma. Zero three six comma eight five four comma seven seven five comma eight hundred and eight light years away. Hmm.
0: I'm just looking. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the number and I'm wondering if there's. It's something nine
1: that, times ten
4: to the power sixteen, basically.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of an overflow error or something like that could have caused it. Um.
1: Oh, that's that's just so you know. Let's just say faroids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I I think it's yeah. much better to say thargoids Um so, matter, matter. so anyway, he he took a look at where his ship was. Um, you know, and there's a nice nice dot out there in space um of where his ship uh d- disappeared off to. Um and then unfortunately he recalled it, you know, and, and obviously um uh you know that was it. But he managed to repeat it. He repeated the uh the problem, went back to exactly the same same place. Um Hirai A3, um, I believe he was on and, um, uh, you know, he repeated all the, you know, all the circumstances, tried to make sure that everything was exactly the same and yes, his ship disappeared in exactly the same way. So, um, so yeah, so we were, um, we were speculating as to whether, um, whether Sag A had been implemented and there was a, there was a separate galaxy or whether anything else, um, you know, was out there, but, um, if you think it's a coding error, then that's that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I'm sorry to to rain on the parade, but it
0: it would seem to be something like that, unless unless it, you know his ship did find a black hole to go through. I mean, I'm I'm happy to speculate with a black hole. Okay,
1: well, Ben, um, Benny, so you, uh, ben, you, you know you're, you're you've not heard of any other instances where this has happened.
4: This is the first and only time I've ever heard about this. I think it's awesome, though.
3: Yeah, maybe he could do recreate it again, and then destroy his SRV, and then be transported oh.
1: all the way out. I yeah. think I think he tried something like that. He did replicate it, um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think he tried. But I think it just it just brought him back. Unfortunately, oh. um, I'm just trying to find. There is actually a uh, there is a um, a thread on this on the Elite Dangerous community, so on EDC um in um in the facebook group um there's a thread on it there and there's more information there there's obviously there's two pages on um on the the frontier forums um so yeah so um it is worth sort of checking out and and reading up but yeah i think in the second instance he did destroy his um his srv but I, either the game crashed or it it didn't do what it didn't do is what we all hoped it would do is send him into some Strange, obscure patch of space which no one had ever seen. So you know, a bit yeah, of a shame. If
0: it had, it would take him quite a while to get back. <laughs> he'd never get back, would he?
1: Come on, <laughs> there is no, there is no hope. That's that a long way.
0: Yeah, maybe cursing himself for not buying that was, class A scoop.
1: But it was, it was so interesting that the previous week we'd been having a conversation about Thargoids and that um, you know, and that he'd been particularly interested in all the conspiracies relating to Thargoids, and then Pop, his ship, disappears all those light years away, uh, which I thought was fascinating. Okay.
0: Um, Curious developments in Tier
1: Okay, so this is the new ship that's being added to the graveyard. We've had a um, a statement about this in, in Gownet, haven't we, Ben? We have indeed. Now, the um, graveyard. That, was that a, oh, no? I was going to say the graveyard doesn't strictly speaking exist at the moment, does it?
4: I don't think so. Unfortunately, I'm yeah. a few light years out and can't yeah, check.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't think the graveyard does exist yet. However, it's been something that Dave Hughes, myself, and a few other people have very much tried to um, uh, to push for with Frontier. You know, every time we're asked. You know, what sort of things should we see? We want to see the Tionista the Graveyard. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's obviously something they want to do. And, of course, they've now got the ability to put wrecks in games, which I'm assuming is, you know, an ongoing sort of thing towards putting this together. And, yeah, so they, you know, hopefully now seeing a couple of mentions is something that will, that will bring it about, um, which is really cool stuff. Right? Um, I've just also found the thread in EDC um, and Phil uh, says after he trashed his SRV uh, the game just crashed out when my SRV was destroyed, booted back up straight into the ship selection screen and my Cobra was as it should have been, in orbit around Halle A3. Oh well. So never mind. Never
0: mind mm-hmm. Phil. Yeah. Okay. Right. We're going to take a little short break and then we'll be back. On the
4: far side of the bubble, on the dark side of an airless moon, on the slightly more interesting side of a ravine, there lived the engineer. The engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier. And your gas tank really
3: really big.
4: What do you want?
3: I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, muckabase, prickleback, soul, snook, snake, tang, wahoo, wapagom, banjo, banga, snook, soul, shad, scat, Come on by with the long-nosed cat. Noodle fish, fish northern squaw. Hooma, hooma, nooka, nooka wapa, What about Swedish
2: fish? Why the hell not?
3: Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong
2: commercial. Well, shit!
3: fish, because, you know, space.
2: Lave Radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. Hi. I'm Trent Stephen Finderless Jr. and I'm here to tell all you pilots about a great new service. Take a listen to my friend, Pete. My name is Pete and I'm a long-distance haulier. I drive a Puma shipping farm machinery from Listie to Sawayo. I love my family and I don't mind being a hard-working blue-collar dad, but I'm tired of seeing my family grow old in front of my eyes. Every time I make the run there and back I lose 15 days in hyperspace. My family is starting to notice that they're getting older and I'm not. My wife had a baby last week, did a week of shifts, and now my kid's got teeth. I wish there was some way my family could get old at the same speed as me. There is, Pete. How? By buying into my new service, Findlist Cryogenics. We aim to put the freeze on the premature ageing of your family. The process is simple. Our unique family centres allow you to drop off your loved ones on the way to work. Simply hire the number of cryogenic pods you need, and keep your family asleep while you fly among the stars. We ensure synchronicity with your flight patterns so they spend the same time awake that you spend in the cockpit. And when you get home, bingo! Your family is the same age as you. Never lose family time in hyperspace again. We guarantee that you'll never miss another birthday, anniversary or funeral. Wow, Trent, that sounds great. Where do I sign? Simply put your credit card details into our special webpage under the hashtag WeFreezeYourLove. We'll take care of the amounts, no need to worry about that. It's so simple. I can't wait to keep my family in a secure block of ice. It's a weight off my mind. Finderlist Cryogenics, now at your local spaceport. Finderlist Cryogenics, because the family that grows old together, goes cold together.
0: Okay, we're back, and the next bit of news was the... uh, See, this is terminology I'm probably just... Can't keep up with it. UP image describes UA shell and possibly shows where second shell is. So, for somebody who doesn't keep up with everything that's happening in the community, what is this about?
3: That would be the unidentified probes, and the image that it shows, which looks like some kind of pizza slicing instruction panel, um, is describing where the unknown artifacts shell and possibly shows where the second shell is not sure about that one <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh this is another encoded message um which uh, i didn't catch how they decoded it is it's based on is it like another kind of sound file
3: yes it was it was essentially a probe that if you scanned it it would send out some kind of pulse which disabled your ship temporarily and then it bombarded you with an audio file and upon decryption of the audio file they found this image embedded alongside the signal so um, they extracted that, it's quite a strange looking I think it was spectral analysis they did and and, uh, it reveals uh, quite a a sort of clock and I know the BBC did a, a little article on this, a little bit of coverage during the week where on BBC Click. On Click yeah it was on Click and they kind of had a nice little montage of all the different ridiculous ideas that people had had which involved an awful lot of that image with things being sort of uh, cut and pasted over it to make it make sense um, which was quite funny to see these kind of wild mental crazy ideas that some people have had but of course, yeah, Canon Interstellar are looking into it as we speak, and yeah, so I'm not quite sure what it means by the second shell. Do you, Ben?
4: Oh, I'm wondering if the second shell is what's going on with Jacks. Yeah, are we a second bubble, maybe, or is it a second bubble? Oh, bums. Sorry, <laughs> that I was just about to take out somebody's bounty and he ran away. That's why.
1: Ben, I've decided. Um, I've decided who you remind me of it's murray walker if you ever listened to murray walker um when he was there for for formula one he because of course he was commentating on stock footage that was being beamed in by a a foreign broadcaster he would basically commentate to the footage so he would get halfway through something and completely change topic it was great Um, thank you ben (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing. I'm. Tra-
4: I'm trying to do things in game as well. I get distracted Ooh. by showing things.
1: I, I'm still not uh, quite. Anyway,
3: you know. I'm, I, I was- not, I'm looking at the graphic just now that the, the 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 link that we were showing. So this this on Reddit, and it is that pizza image, and it does seem to be that they're using some interesting maths to suggest that. Uh, yeah, I I. I Who came up with that? Mr Beeps apparently is the is the Reddit name that posted it. That's far too clever. It's far too clever. Line denotes reference points outside the shell at a distance of 4X. This could either be 4X from a rope, or more likely, 4X from the start of the shell. So really five times to distance, or 675 light-years from a rope. And the California Nebula and Witch Head Nebula are both within that range. So they're suspecting, I think, that this is the source of... Of where these unknown artifacts and probes are coming from. And uh, Sol is 402 light years from a rope. Signal could refer to radio waves broadcasting from Earth. Far too clever.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost to the point of authoritative clever that you, you kind of have to. I, I, I had a moment once where, where somebody um, uh, threw some science at me in a game. And they had they had obviously you know built some some things off of a certain amount of speculation on this and a certain amount of speculation on that, and you just got so far through it, whether we were trying to explain it to you that you went, I can either accept this or I can ask questions in which case i'm going to be here for another hour uh, <laughs> so it it's quite dense, i think is what i'm I guess I'm trying to say is that you know they've it's quite authoritative in the tone that they've they put to this by um by depicting it in a graphic but it's also quite um quite dense in terms of how they've they've made these calculations i think it's fabulous you know and it, it does you know um it does increase the sort of speculative um you know concern in terms of the way in which uh, this sort of works which i think is great and to be fair you know if you've got to search a 675 light year three-dimensional bubble um you know, to try and find a, a a corresponding source, I think that's that's quite a lot of searching, isn't it? Really?
0: Yeah, I I, I look at it, and I don't know. I, I just feel that it's got this kind of nine eleven YouTube video truther thing about it. That it's like somebody's <laughs> somebody's <laughs> taken something, and then they've like retro like stuck loads of facts in there to kind. I of-
1: love that, but I love that. I think that's awesome. You know, I think I think I'd love to see more of that kind of you know specula- uh, um, speculative um, it's not really speculative fiction because obviously that's that's in and of itself but that, that kind of authoritative speculation or that speculating mythologizing you know kind of stuff I, I i love all that you know sort of thing so i'd love to see you know well
0: as long as they do, people don't start taking it serious like they do with the truth of videos and you know it's <laughs> you know they're saying well it's got to be true because it
1: looks yeah. looks right they, but, they take know. they take it so serious that they commission Hubble to go and you know stare up at the. Or if they take it seriously in game, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a story, you know. Um, it's all a story, isn't it? It's a contrivance within a contrivance. So you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I just get the feeling people argue about it on Reddit about what version is correct. Somebody well, will come I, up with.
1: But that's that's great. They, you know, if they're all arguing, then then st- they care, and you know, and that means they're they're you know immersed in the story. I think that's I think that's cool stuff. I think um, the way that also the fact that they're doing things
3: in game yeah. relating to it creates more stories for, yeah. uh, for Frontier.
1: Okay. Absol- absolutely. I mean one of the one of the best things I ever had when I um uh when I devised a game, one of the best evenings I ever had uh was I was running a a game for about 150 people um at a campsite and they were all playing different types of orcs, different types of um, intelligent apes, intelligent um, sort of dog people, intelligent cat people, elves and humans. And they're all around a campfire and they were all speculating as to why these demons were attacking them from another dimension and trying to work out, you know, what the what the demon's motivations were. And my, my fondest memory of, of you or know, one of my fondest memory of running that game was sitting at that campfire and listening to their speculation. It was fabulous. Some of it was, you know, was far better than anything I'd written. So, you know, I, I think that's cool. You know, and, and when 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 you write stories that can hit the people who are, who are playing and you know and experiencing them in such a way as they can flex and bend with um, with their ideas, you know, without necessarily them necessarily knowing that they're flexing and bending with their ideas, it's 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 awesome stuff you know, I, th- I think it's great
0: well, talking of conspiracies and government cover-ups uh, uh, Spaxor found uh, he re- returned to a barnacle site that uh, he found in HIP 17225A1 and it had been replaced with a federal pre-research base so there's going to be some autopsies going on there, which you know, they'll record and not leak or anything
1: like that. I, d- I don't know what's going on there.
0: But uh, <clears throat> it looks like the Federation is getting interested in the barnacles.
1: Yeah, well, there's, there's obviously there's been a little bit of that, you know, uh, Colin was saying the other week about, you know, how much of a an amazing thing that um, it was to, to go and investigate them whilst uh, or to investigate some of this stuff Whilst seeing, you know, battlecruisers around them and nearby and what have you, and, and worrying that, you know, that somebody was going to decide that they weren't authorized to do this, that, or the other, and you know, and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, it's it's just cool, you know. And and you know, yeah, if they if they move a federal battle cruiser into stuff, if they've moved a federal research base, it it shows that the narrative's ongoing and moving forward, doesn't it?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I do like it, but. Um... Ah, I thought I'd get more kudos for my cool segue then, but never mind. Um, Star Trek. Axana.
1: Yeah, I I put this in because we're on a bit of a slow news week with Elite Dangerous and, uh, you know, and waiting for for things happening relating to Gamescom. So I was just wondering what people's takes on it were. Um, I don't know if you guys had, uh, had sort of followed most of this. Um... Uh, oh Ben saying poor cow uh, what, what's Grant done, did Grant want to say something sorry Grant Grant's
4: been like bouncing no. up and down in his chair
3: no sorry, I wasn't Grant.
1: I was just suggesting that I reckon I know what the
3: signal the picture is, I'm pretty sure it is just as I would put in the chat there that it is uh, some kind of alien twitch stream of alien pong uh, and the reason why it looks so static... Because if you look at the bottom, the numbers 1 saw and 4... I the Pong, yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely Alien Pong with some interesting new rules and a grid in the middle, obviously. I think it will probably rotate. But due to the expensive nature of Thargoid broadband, their frame rate is so shockingly low that we're only getting the sort of singles. But if we go back in about six months, it will rotate and it will be different. And there might even be some score points up at the top there because at the current minute, it's no score each as you can see by the number two, because that's the
1: scoreboard. I was going to say, it could be, if, if we're thinking that way, Grant, it could be the game that John's designing for, for his kids to work on <laughs> um, for his, uh, you know, his, his coding project.
0: Yeah, it's running on a Raspberry Pi, so it only manages one frame a month. <laughs> <laughs> Don't diss the Raspberry Pi, it does some good stuff. Oh, I, I love my pie. I've got, I got two of them. That's how so much I love it. I just love um,
1: pie. You ate all
0: the Pies, I can talk. Okay, okay. alright, we'll go back to Star Trek, okay. So Alan, give us a little bit of a kind of summary of what, what interests you. I mean, I know you like Trek, but about this in particular.
1: Well, um, I thought it was it was particularly poignant this week because I, I went to see Star Trek Beyond um, the other night, and I quite like Star Trek Beyond. I quite like all the Star Trek films, um, favourite being Ratha Khan, And I think you know, there's a lot of people that you know that, that utterly love Ratha Khan. Um, now, the issue here with Axanar if you don't know about it, and because as I say, it's a, a little bit of a slow, elite, dangerous Newsweek so I brought this in so that to sort of get other people's takes on it because we have here a crowdfunded film which is um, Axanar um, there was a prelude to Axanar written first that you can watch online it's about 15 minutes it's really good you know and when you when you, it's a little bit talking heads but when you look at the CGI they produced it's it's good stuff and they used that as a promo to then launch a, an additional crowdfunding campaign to get Axanar made which is the you know their feature-length piece Um, and in this feature-length piece they um, they basically uh, said that they were raising money to pay for the production costs so when this reached a particular level of um, crowdfunding funding uh, Paramount decided uh, no you kinda can't do this so Paramount and CBS decided to start suing them. And uh, this is what's been going on since. So, um, you know, the the matter is is now at court. We've had, I think I may have mentioned it a little bit before, we've had um, the Paramount being instructed because of the way in which uh, these deputations go. They have to define what is Star Trek. So they had to lay out a list of patents or a list of things they they consider to be Part of the Star Trek brand, which were being used by Axonar. Um, this this sort of referred to the Klingon language referred to other bits and pieces. Um, so yeah, so you know and it's it's an ongoing suit. Um, unfortunately, there's also um, they've issued some fan film guidance, which has been very unpopular. JJ Abrahams and um, the current director of Star Trek Beyond have come out and said, Paramount really shouldn't be suing these people. And everyone thought that it was all going to go away, and then it didn't because you know basically they continued to see these people <laughs> um, it's it's just just really interesting because it sets a, a weird precedent with regards to crowdfunding because with crowdfunding you um you get this you know this thing of um the the line has always been with fan creations the line has always been prior to the sort of emergence of Kickstarter and what have you the line has always been if you're making a fan creation and you're not making any money um and you're doing it for the love then you're an incredibly noble and you know and and you know contributor to to the fiction and you know and well done and you know and um oh you know pat on the back for all the amazing things you've done the minute you start to obviously either make money or in some way money seems to be involved then that switches completely it becomes about intellectual property copyright etc cetera, etc cetera. Now the interesting thing here, of course, is that what what does the crowdfund fit into? Does it fit into to one side? Does it fit into the other? Um, which I thought, you know, I thought was very interesting in terms of, uh, you know, all things.
0: Well, I mean, I'm guessing it's it's not for profit, so it's yeah. How do you know... how,
1: how do you define that though? Because there are quite a lot of companies. Out there that are revenue revenue neutral you know that will will run something will do something and they'll pay for all the you know the expenses and they will have you know potentially even people taking salaries and what have you um, but ultimately the company will balance the books and here you've got professional actors being hired some of which used to be in the Star Trek series um, you know and they are being hired so so essentially their time's being paid for so how do you define that specific issue.
0: Mm.
3: It's no, not, is. You're looking at it the wrong way, because okay. lawsuits and lawsuits are always about one thing, and the party who instigates the lawsuit uh, has to prove damage. So it's right. not about whether or not they're making a profit. Obviously, if, they're not, if it's clear they're running at a loss and it's a labour of love, there's not going to be any money there, To grab. So, you know, you trying to reclaim the damages. So if someone was to, for example, create some kind of strange bondage um, sex version of uh, Elite Dangerous using the game footage, what you're doing there is you're damaging the reputation of the IP and regardless of whether or not you've made a profit or not, they would need to stamp it out because the damage would outweigh yeah. any benefit that it brings. If someone makes a fantastic video demonstrating the entirety of the galaxy and exploration to uh, amazing music that they've done, then, you know, if they then stamp their logo on it and promote that it is their music that they're promoting, then they're making a gain out of it that's not necessarily monetarily, but it is definitely a profit of some sort. But again, because there's not been any money taken for it, it allows some companies who are happy to turn a blind eye to turn a blind eye. But that's why you have the media arrangements, which are, you know, no donation buttons. And I would probably think that the media agreement would also have no um, kind of misleading or any kind of message that might misconstrue who made it. So if you're having a video and it's a film and you don't mention Frontier for the actual gameplay that you may have used in the footage. It could be misconstrued that you are suggesting that you as the director or the producer or whatever are responsible for the visuals within the game and therefore you would be in breach of any kind of non-profit agreement with Frontier. And it is a it's a, it's a very grey area and the best thing to do if you're doing anything like that is just to contact Frontier and wait until they get back in touch with you. <laughs> what? to give you uh, the, the sort of go-ahead. That take a while. But it is down to yeah. damages. It's, it's, it's more damage. So in the case of that film, because they're then using actors, you couldn't sue the actors individually because they're definitely profiting from that particular project, but they're also covered under what would be a uh, contract law that they, they had signed a contract with them in goodwill and therefore would be protected from any sort of class action. The worst thing that would happen is that the film wouldn't come out. So it's damage it's whether or not the original IP holders believe that the film is misrepresenting their brand in a way that they don't like or they feel that it's too close to being better than anything they've put out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that you- that you know that that is part of the part of the issue here because of course a lot of the the people who um, are fans around this essentially because Star Trek's got that kind of space navy thing to it, which I mean, I alluded to a little bit with um, Star Wars earlier, but um, certainly Axanar appears to, from the footage I've seen of the Prelude, uh, because I've watched the Prelude and and the other bits and pieces. You know, it's got that kind of space navy feel to it. It's on a fraction of the budget, Um, although the budget is quite significant. It's a fraction of what you know they would put into a, a full blown Star Trek film, and. Yeah, potentially it's in danger of showing them up in that regard um, which I guess is where you know the legal ease starts to come in in relation to whether that's damage um no Ben I think it's over a million um sorry Ben Ben sort of asking you know, ten thousand pounds or a hundred thousand pounds fairly sure it's over a million and a half at the moment give me a minute and i will I will go find
3: It's one of those things though, I mean, from from the point of view of having just recently watched a, a number of the big blockbusters, and I don't know if this is a current trend due to the CGI nature of the majority of these movies, but where's the epic stories anymore? I mean, okay, you know, you've got a big story, you've got a big baddie, but it seems to me that in a lot of these films the solution is already in hand and clear to be seen, and it seems to be that in a, in a whole movie, there's one problem, and then they solve it. Whereas, normally, in these films, the epicness of the tale is all the little issues that they have until they uncover how to attack the, the main problem, and then even in that process, it doesn't go very smooth, and you get all those kind of different stories and exciting parts in it. Um, By that questioning,
4: Grant, what was yeah? the epicness in Star Trek The Motion Picture? For that matter, well, what was the epicness in Wrath of like, well, hey, Khan? Khan no. doesn't think in three D, that's his problem. <laughs> yeah.
3: But that wasn't you know, but the Wrath of Khan, you had you you had obviously the issues where Chekhov had um a, a sort of really bad case Probably of slug. earworm and um you know, there was, she had those kind of issues where somebody was compromised and it wasn't clear how that was going to be. So rather than, oh, right, there's the baddie, here's how we're going to beat them, and then they beat him, you kind of feel that the film's already at the conclusion before it's had a chance to develop. And I think I watched World of Warcraft and I found that one was... I enjoyed it overall. It was really quite nice. But I did find that it just seemed to be that we were already at the conclusion before we kind of... Okay, done so have you,
4: seen Star Trek Be- have you seen Star Trek Beyond yet? Yes. And, you know, that had a bunch of little problems that they had to solve before they had to
3: go and do the big <sighs> Not thing. Not as much it? as the first yeah. one, as I say. It was, it was all...
1: <sighs> I, I, I think I know what you're saying here, Grant. Um, the one thing I was going to mention about my experience of going to the cinema and seeing Star Trek Beyond, which I enjoyed. Um, just first of all, Ben, just to answer your question about how much funding they got, they got 638,000 on Kickstarter, and they got about 500,000 on Indiegogo. So 1.1 million was the you know, was the total for the XML project. Anyway, I was saying about um, uh, my experience of going to see Star Trek Beyond. Um, I went to, while I was waiting for Karen, um, I picked up the tickets, and uh, I went over to the wall and read the blurb. And the thing I noticed about reading the blurb of what was happening is I thought, I looked at it, and I thought, okay, if I substitute the word Khan... For Krull, and I substitute the word this for that. This could be the the blurb for Star Trek Into Darkness, because it has the same narrative beat points. And I think that's kind of what Ben, um, what Grant is trying to say. Ben is that you know it is um, uh, narrative beat points that um, um, uh, the uh, uh, you know that, that that essentially are somewhat samey. And I think that is something we're seeing as a problem. And, the, you know, you, you do, certainly, Wrath of Khan had, had, you know, everyone's tried to ape and redo Wrath of Khan. There have been several attempts, you know, I think in Star Trek films to sort of redo and recapture the essence of Wrath of Khan in and of itself. But, I, you know, I'm not sure necessarily that um, uh, that, that, was, that was essentially wise because we've, we've become familiar with certain beat points in terms of the ways in which some of these stories go. And that perhaps doesn't give us the same kind of popcorn surprise. Um, We could certainly say that with um, force awakens, which is a great film, but it did have similar narrative beat points to, um, you know, to the previous film. You know, there's a whole academic theory about the star Wars ring cycle, you know, about all that. But the, the, the point is, is that actually there are certain narrative beat points that seem to, to, to be considered by, um, you know, by people who are studio executives who are backing these things, um, to be the way in which you know you you accrue popular popular appeal.
0: Yeah, it's like a formula. I mean, I, I was only watching. A, a, I think it was a, a, a kind of a the new Star Trek reboot critis, criticism video that was looking back at. Uh, um the previous two and there seems to be a lot of similarities between all the plots you know it's almost like a kind of paint by numbers kind of uh, thing which you know it's fine if it's entertaining and it works then that's great but um but it was interesting to see that um just to just go back to what you said before Alan, that uh, JJ was a fan of the uh, um the idea of you know having this crowd funded kind of um you know, fanfic, um, movie. Um,
1: why do you think he took that position or, you know, well, cause
0: he fun- didn't have to say anything really, did he?
1: No, sure. I, I'm not sure he was necessarily a fan, but I think he did. He, he gave a press release in relation to them not, um, not suing. Um, we've been, we've been corrected that CBS are apparently doing the suing, not Paramount. So, uh, I'm interested to, to note the, the distinction there. I'm not, um, not entirely sure myself, so um so yeah, uh, it does state on the wrap, which is the um the article that I've 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 got a decent summary from that it's both Paramount Pictures and CBS Studios who are suing uh Axanar. But anyway, so um, you know, he did give a statement that um that suggested that this wasn't helpful and wasn't something the studios should really be doing. Um but it was quite a carefully worded sort of element, and it did give some indication to people that this should stop. But, you know, J.J. Abrahams is not the be-all and end-all of, um, of of obviously of the studio, you know, in that regard. I know at some, at one point people did see the reboot as you know, effectively sort of setting up what everything else is doing. But of course they are starting a new series, aren't they, as well? So you've got Star Trek Discovery, which has, has been announced, and they've got a lot of the the great and the good writers and um, uh, creatives back to, to to work on that. So, so yeah, so you can kind of see, and I think this relates to what Grant said about damage, you can kind of start to see what, you know, what they, at least what they consider to be the issue here. Um, I, I don't really, you know, I, I think it's just interesting um, as to where we draw the line.
4: Well, I've always found it interesting how the Star Trek universe seems to have a hell a of lot of professional fan fiction or something like that with you've got you've got this Axanar thing there's renegades there's oh another one set in the original series timeline um, and a lot of these you know they include people like um oh what's his name He played bester in Chekhov um,
1: Walter Konig.
4: Walter Walter Koenig, that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Um and the actor who played Tuvok and you know they've got so many of the past actors in there that even though it's not official, it's bloody official. And I don't understand why the Star Trek universe seems to both generate and tolerate it.
1: Well that's you know, the really... Lucasfilm. Yeah, it's that's a really interesting thing there Ben because um this is something actually I said uh, during LaveCon, which is um relating to your relationship with the franchise that you're connected to. Um it's it's an interesting moment when um you know when you when you sort of think about the different line between what is official fiction and what is um not official fiction. Um and whether if I, you know, if I say something or another writer is an official writer says something and says it in a particular way to make it sound like it's official, um, we are perhaps more likely to have somebody email us and say, what are you doing? What are you saying? Why have you said that? You know, than necessarily um, anybody else is likely to, to have. Because... There's there's seemed to be some kind of weight to to what we said. I could be completely wrong. You know, it could be that, that people completely ignore me, which uh, you know, <laughs> it's entirely fine. But the point here is that um, the uh, it is interesting that uh, faces in this regard, you know, with Axanar, our faces lend something credence because they've acted in you know in previous stuff. And I think certainly um, in Star Trek. It's most interesting because, of course, of what Michael Dawn did, because Michael Dawn played two characters, didn't he? You know, he played um, Worf, and he also played uh, a sort of a predecessor, an ancestor of Worf in um, uh, Star Trek: Undiscovered Country. So, you know, it's quite interesting to sort of see how, you know, how that that sort of connects, as it were.
4: Hmm. Is Michael Dawn in any of these fan films then, or is he not?
1: Uh, i don't know um, i haven't i haven't looked i, I know that um, as you mentioned uh, that you know there's there's quite a a list of of cast for um, um, for the you know, the current action piece i did have it up on the screen sorry i don't think michael dawns on that list um, I, I went looking for the uh, um, for the web stuff but um uh, Katie Vernon was on that list, Um, and uh, yeah, you know a couple of the others who've who've been in um, the different uh, the different franchises. There we go. I'll go back to the wrap. Sorry, I'm I'm just getting my page up. Um, uh, Yeah, there there was a um, a whole list of um, of professional actors who uh, who have sort of uh, agreed to contribute to it, wasn't there? So um, and who've been in previous Star Trek stuff.
4: I mean okay, so look I'm looking at Renegades just now. So Renegades has got Walter Koenig, Michelle Nichols, Tim Russ, yeah. Yeah. um, Robert Beltram who was in wasn't he in BSG? Um uh, yeah. who else is in it? And I know Tim Ross is even the director of Renegades. And he's the guy who plays Bloody Two-Hawk
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean he's in he's in um and, Axanar, I believe, so so yeah.
4: Yeah, and he's—I know—in Renegades, he's actually playing Tuvok. Oh no, he's not playing Tuvok. He's playing someone called Kovok, who is obviously <laughs> in no way related to Tuvok at all. Uh,
1: yeah,
4: it's just—you uh, would not—you was... would expect to see these guys and expect, okay, well, they're in it, therefore it has to be legit.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is a there is a, uh, a sort of that kind of quality to it, isn't there? There's yeah. there's something something of that to it, which I think is, and this is why I think it's just interesting that the line is so blurred, you know, in that regard. And I think there's a parallel here, and perhaps a cautionary parallel in relation to, um, you know, to elite dangerous in terms of what is a story, what is an official story, what is not an official story, um, and certainly some of that came out uh, a few weeks back when. Um, there was some concern over the way in which uh the frontier first encounters narrative was obviously was uh was essentially um rewritten you know or rewritten in you know in how it was perceived to people by Michael Brooks just saying no that's not right anymore on um on a random blog so yeah you know it is it is a very confusing circumstance and you you feel for people you know in terms of the way in which they uh, did a you know consider their own narrative of these things um you know they're trying to sort of piece together what is official and uh, i think sometimes that's that's hard um you know the the whole idea of copyright and intellectual property is obviously as a, a 19th and 20th century construction anyway so prior to that we were all doing all sorts of um you know different things with other people's characters but you know anyway oh okay i'm being criticized again am i (laughs)
3: <laughs> and was it was it not? Am I am I not? Am I not? I may I may well be uh, misinformed, but I believe it was the late Walt Disney that fiddled the copyright law and overwrote the standard sort of terms of uh, when work would then become part of the oh crikey public what's it called yeah the pub- public the
1: public domain, domain yeah no, yes. And there he- is there is a revision. There is a revision in terms of the um how long the original author is dead and how long the rights can be held. Um and certainly um Disney have been one of the litigators in America to extend the amount of time that the copyright can be held um, you know, beyond that, uh, beyond the death of the original author. Um I, I I think that's kind of come to an end now, which I think you know there has been some speculation by people about this being the reason Disney has acquired so many new franchises uh because they believe that you know that they're they're not necessarily gonna keep hold of Mickey Mouse anymore um i you know I don't know i mean obviously that's that's speculative but um there was certainly there was some other interesting stuff with sherlock holmes and um uh the stuff to do with that um which I thought was uh was very interesting and the and the estate of uh um of the writer you know. Um, insisting that people pay a certain amount of money to reuse and to and to remake Sherlock Holmes. So
3: yeah. Uh, well, I've got my new cartoon yeah. series almost ready to come out uh, about Mikey Moose. Um, should be out <laughs> <laughs> the coming weeks. <clears throat> Mikey Moose, the space space Moose. That's <laughs> yeah. Uh, ste- uh, the first episode is uh, steaming boats. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Steampunk boats. Yeah.
3: Uh. But it is, I mean, the reason why, of course, I mean, the whole thing is if you are a content producer, if you make stuff and then someone uses your stuff and makes a fortune out of it, then it's sore. Because what gives them the right to take your stuff? So uh, having a wife as an artist and having a 6 million euro uh, seizure in Spain and warehouse full of counterfeit goods uh, of our artworks out there, and you're sitting there thinking, you know, If they'd gone through the legitimate channels, we would have a significantly higher income, which would be, you know, amazing. But if you break it down, you went to these people and say, you do realise, you know, that the artist has been uh, disabled and, and has to work from her bed and you're ripping off her work... They don't care. So, I mean, I understand it from the point of view as the creators, you want your stuff protected because it's how you make your living and why should anyone else make a living off your work without even so much as a nod towards you? However, that strange attitude, which is not strange because it's completely, you know, human nature, but that attitude stifles creation and it stifles, you know, the, the whole concept of open source. So, I think, you know, there should be protections there that are reasonable for the original creators and there should be a degree at which people can work or be inspired by work in order to create even better advances and all kinds of things so and on that note HTC putting their uh, their their code and their APIs and their their, the coding for any accessories for the Vive making that open source I applaud them I think they've just won the internet.
1: Yeah, I I mean, one of the things that, um, you know, obviously we're seeing more and more franchises, um, well, we're not seeing more and more franchises, but we are seeing more and more dominance of franchise uh, where, you know, you've got extra, um, uh, you know, extra content by a spin-off movie via um, a TV series attached to this and, you know, this attached to this and, and the coordination of those things. And, you know, and I... I freely admit that's that's a research area of interest for me, but it does make this issue of intellectual property come into quite sharp focus. And certainly there is a need, particularly in you know, because people consume this content fast. Let let's let's look at just how quickly Galnet's news articles go through, you know, and how quickly stuff is changing, moving, you know, and, and, and going forwards. Um content is being consumed fast uh as as the official writers at times we were given the opportunity to you know to put some news content into the um uh, the news streams you can't keep up you know it you'd you have to be playing constantly to you know to keep up with what's going on there and you know and have a lot more time than necessarily you have and also there isn't any reward related to that so you know it is very difficult to you know to to do that and keep up a day job um so yeah so the the interesting thing here is that um it's stifling creativity because we we like this you know the familiar characters more adventures of the people who you know who are familiar to us um perhaps we aren't you know stepping out and and finding out about new things quite so much perhaps we aren't taking the risks on uh, on a new story on a new um new new character uh, new identity um that we can we can discover as much as you know is going back to the old familiar things that um, that we like and of course you know we're epitomizing that talking about a computer game that's a remake of a 1980s computer game aren't we
3: and, and let, let's talk about what happens when you let your internet intellectual property uh, allow for Countless fecking reboots of the same bloody story. I am talking Uh, uh, to you, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, what the chuff is going on with your franchise? Could someone please get it into order? I'm sick and tired of seeing how the blooming Spider-Man came about. We know that story. How about something new? Also, Ghostbusters. Boo.
1: Although apparently it's quite good. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I I like Ghostbusters. I thought it was really good. Um, It wasn't quite the... um, I think it will be seen in the future as, as good for different reasons than, you know, than what, what necessarily the, um, all of the, the qualities of the film, but I thought it was very good. I thought the, Unfortunately, the originals got that, that you know, nostalgic kids moment for me because it was a formative movie of my, my childhood, um, but it was certainly better than Ghostbusters 2. So, um, so yeah.
0: Is there a, an equivalent in the new movie to um, the sexual predator known as Peter Venkman?
1: uh probably not really <laughs> although uh, um yeah you know i did i watched the original a little bit before i um i went out and saw the new film, and um yeah, it is quite interesting, you know it, there are certain things in the original that have dated a little bit um and let's face it, Peter Aikman has dated quite a lot um <laughs> I, I I meant that as a pun. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no the I mean it's it's interesting, isn't it? So Yeah, because if you think about it, Vinkman was funny back then
3: and now nowadays he's litig litig, litig- that word. He's gonna be in m- multiple lawsuits for sexual harassment. Um <laughs> It is funny how the, the, the you know just yeah. I love Bill Murray anyway. So I am going to finish that one there cuz I think it was just, you know, him and the combination, it was a, it was beautiful chemistry with a perfect storyline at that time. He, he's got you know, he's
1: he's got a cameo. Um it's the worst cameo. I'm not spoiling anything for you here. Um I I, I think the best cameo was probably by Janine, the secretary. Um she's also got a cameo. Uh, Dan ackwood has got a cameo. Um and um Winston's got a cameo. So um so yeah, so there's, you know, there are, there are some cameos in the in the film which is great um
3: because okay, we're totally off topic here you got me into my one of my favorite subjects which is films <laughs> and um do you think it needed a reboot could it not have been a continuation i think it would have been awesome if they had stumbled across the old equipment in the building after buying it and then it inspired them into the sort of supernatural capturing business. I think that would have been a wonderful way to carry on the story. However, I've not seen it yet, so I reserve judgment to come back on a future show and go, I love it, it's fine. Okay. Right, Gamescom, who's going? Uh,
1: Bit of a distance for me. It's Germany, unfortunately. Um, and, And I'm a little bit busy. Because uh, the run up to August is, uh, I'm already a block in terms of what's there. However, I did put this on so that we could get a bit of a, a, bit of a listing of the other things that are going on, uh, not just Elite, um, and sort of get an idea of, of you know, of the, the stuff that's running. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, we've had from Frontier that they are doing a little Elite meet, I believe, there, aren't they? And um, you know, and, and they're going to be there. But what's interesting on the, the list from pocket-lint.com is I don't think they've mentioned Elite Dangerous on their list of games.
0: Uh, they just mentioned Frontier as an exhibitor.
1: Yeah. Um, so we've got a, a list of games in the middle there. Um, what's your favourite, John? What are you looking forward to?
0: <laughs> if only I had time to play games... Um... Well, actually, the worms WMD, because <laughs> I love worms. So um, that is actually of interest to me. Um, but I mean, just looking down the list, I mean, oh, Planet Coasters mentioned. Um, yeah. That's something that I, I did actually get. I mean, I, I was never a massive coaster game fan. I played the original theme park and I played it a lot. So I really liked it, but I'd never got into the genre. You know, all these people talking about, oh, you know, this one or that one was best. I've only ever played one of them. So I, I, I got in on the beta and I've I've really loved that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the final version of that. Um, but just looking at this list of games, it's kind of, it's a little bit depressing talking about franchises. How many of these games are actually, um, you know, uh, sequels? You know, you've, yeah. got a ba- you've got your Batman, you've got your Battlefield, and you've got your Call of Duty. Um, hang on. Oh, FIFA and Pears and God of War? Oh, it just goes on. Halo Wars? Oh, it just goes on. Where's all the original games? Come on. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Worms. And All right, I know it's a sequel, but whatever.
3: I, I'm not particularly keen on... Uh... Planet Coaster, and I know that might get me into uh, Bother with Frontier, but you know what, I've got the Alpha and I've played it once, and that wasn't the day it was released and I've not even gone back. I don't even think I've done any updates. Right, what am I excited for? This one probably will come as no surprise to anyone that has played me, any games Civilization 6, I'm sorry it is absolutely I have already pre-ordered it and I've pre-ordered it in the don't be so flippin' stupid, why are you paying that much for a game that's not gonna be out for bloody months, anyway I can't help it, it is just one of those games I love, Mafia 3 nah, Pokemon Sun and Moon nah, who cares, there's just, you know, I'm looking down there and I'm thinking how many of these games are just adding VR to the end of them in order to justify their existence Batman Arkham, VR Woo-hoo! Really? Who wants to be that physically sick while playing a game of Batman? <laughs> Nobody The next year's going to be Civilization VI, VR so you can look at your buildings as of-
1: oh, honestly <laughs> don't hold back there Grant will you <laughs> Cuphead <laughs> I'm looking forward to Cuphead because I haven't yeah, got a I, clue I, what that I is I got a clue what that is that sounds
0: interesting I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google it because I reckon it'll be amazing whatever it is so
3: they've got a Welsh version of The Witcher coming out
0: a Welsh version of The Witcher hang on hang on let me
3: look at the list
4: I'm sorry where did that come from
3: I don't know, just in my head I don't know, (laughs) Titanfall 2 Uh, I I see Skyrim's on the list again Is that game ever going to end? (laughs) Is it just ever going to end? It's just always And every time I think I'm going to I'll watch someone play I think I'm going to have a go at this And I jump in, log in And then I have to spend that 15 minute intro Sitting in the back of that bloody car, Hoping that they'll execute (laughs) me Before I get to the start of the game And have to go for the long walk Through nothingness and boredom. Talk about Elite being a grind. Elder (coughs) Scrolls, Skyrim, you are a grind. Um, However, if they ever manage to get the whole Skyrim game going like the massive multiplayer GTA, I am in and you'll never get me out. Because that's what I wanted all along from Skyrim. I don't want I want it to be that kind of beautiful, wonderful game where you can pass by a village and there's your mate, your neighbour from two doors down and he's been a farmer since he started the game and you go and across his ground. You know that, don't you? Yeah, but it's just... Uh, it's not... It's just it's not. It's
4: basically WoW, but...
3: Yeah, and yeah, I, I did well, not have issues. that. I think... Elder Scrolls, apparently. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elder Scrolls, but, I'm, like, World I'm, of
0: I am... That sounds... I mean, well, that sounds pretty online...
3: good. Ooh, ooh, steep. That, you know, uh, Elders,
0: a bit pricey. The, the thing, thing that I like about... Go on, Bear.
4: The thing I like about Elder Scrolls is that... You're playing an RPG more like an FPS, in that it's all left-click, right-click to do various spells and actions and things like that. And you combine them with t- in appropriate times, and you're aiming and all that kind of stuff in Skyrim. Whereas in Elder Scrolls Online, when I tried it, it's like, select your target, press 1, press 1, press 1, press 2. Oh, 3's come up, press 1. And they're just like, yeah, I've played this before. Thank you very much.
3: There is something special. They might have moved on
4: since then, but
3: there's a couple of specials that are on there that are actually, I mean, Mafia was quite a pretty game, so it'd be interesting to just to sort of have a look at it, but not particularly get excited. However, there is something that is on that list that is really quite exciting and unfortunately I kind of misread the two games that are side by side there and thought South Park Bridge Crew wow, South Park does Artemis <laughs> but it's not quite that it's Star Trek Bridge Crew which has Oculus Rift and HTC Vive and it's got VR and it's gonna be, a, a, no, could, it be could it be as good as Artemis, could it just tick the box because for my entire existence I have been so excited at every Star Trek game and then been completely bored senseless whenever I've started to play him, It just didn't have that kind of easy in for me.
1: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, I loved um, Armada, uh, but it just, you know, it it, it scratched the surface and then it, it was a bit more surface. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't enough uh, in that regard, you know, in terms of it being a, a, a great Star Trek game. Um, Bridge Crew does look good. Um, the only thing is is that I think uh from what i remember it's vr only so it might be that you have to have your vr headset to to play it and to you know to to go in it
3: Ooh, i may be able to push the buttons with my vive handsets and like
1: do <laughs> the whole data scene
3: i'm um, <coughs>
1: sorry but of course Brent,
3: there's a of video course.
4: of a bunch of the star trek cast playing star yeah. trek bridge crew um and i think they are Basically, holding their wands out and pressing buttons using them.
3: No, no, I think you've been going on the wrong video site.
4: <laughs> no, I promise. Yeah, no special interaction with Diana Troy or anything like that.
0: No. <laughs>
1: Unless you. Yeah, close, I no, Yeah, no. I, I'm, I'm fairly sure. I, I can't remember, but, um, uh, I think it was the the vr setup was you know was was essential um my worry it it is a four player co-op my only worry of course is that um you've got to have four people with all the kit you know which of course is is a little bit tricky um you know at this stage but of course you know in 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 12 months time that may well be very very affordable in terms of what's there
3: you know, we've got the likes of Pulsar, which is a great wee game, and yeah. the the thing that I know they want to do in Pulsar, but they haven't done yet, is the kind of making all the ships appear in the same universe, so that you have multiple crews going, and I know that that has proven to be a little bit beyond their um, current skill sets, which is a shame, because that would make it possibly one of the best sort of multiplayer experiences you could have um as a crew although they do need to re-implement being able to leave your team on planets and fly off and leave them just as a matter of point it's funny as hell and they should put that back in definitely
0: (laughs) (laughs) two guesses who who likes doing that (laughs)
3: <laughs> but there's nothing funnier than saying right everyone back to the ship and they're going but we can't see on the, tra- on the on the transporter we can't seem to get back to the ship and you're
1: going nope you can't now can you remember what that planet's <laughs> called that you're on uh, no I, I I think I mean there's certainly Artemis and you know our experience of Artemis and perhaps a little bit of Pulsar has, has identified to us that kind of co-op multiplayer gameplay um you know the the need and I you know I think you know fps players have understood it before now elite dangerous obviously identified it when they studied you know with wing up you know you had that you know that sort of co-op element um, in terms of what's there but the idea of everybody dividing up the experience of piloting a starship so actually by dividing it up it becomes less technically challenging um for the computer to manage which is is one of the things that artemis does really well um, you know, I, th- I think that's something people are cottoning on to, and certainly, you know, Artemis has been very popular in that regard. I'd love to see Star Trek Bridge Crew do well. Um, I'd love to see it do well, and maybe not necessarily need VR, but you know, we'll see. I okay.
4: there is. I know the- you mentioned South Park Grand, but I, I did you play this South Park Stick of Truth? No. Uh, I yeah I I will freely admit that I do enjoy some South Park, and South Park's Stick of Truth was one of the funnest games I played last year. I guess it would be. Uh, it was it was silly. It was irrelevant. It was mad. It was disgusting, and it was actually a good game. Uh, completely in the start in the South Park universe. And if they're doing more of the same with the fractured butthole, that's <laughs> going to be so much fun, and I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs>
0: A fractured
3: butthole. Who comes up with these things? I think <laughs> the must, fractured they, butthole. They must contact Mr. Winard, I think, uh, <laughs> I suspect. I think he's on their payroll. Uh, wouldn't surprise <laughs> us. But I think, you know, I'm uh, speaking yeah. about Artemis, and, and it's not really particularly relevant, but, you know, Alan, the, I, I didn't get an opportunity, and I'm not sure if anyone did... Um, the, can give some good feedback as to how did the Artemis crew versus Artemis crew game go? Because obviously you can have multiple ships and multiple groups, uh, in that game at Lavecon. How did that one pan out?
1: I didn't get the feedback on it. I did, um, speak to Bill and David. Um, I think, uh, a little bit. They, they basically, there was one huge internet cable run between the two crew systems so they did do a late night head to head on Saturday night, um, but I, yeah they said it was you know I think it I think it devolved into a, a bit of a chess match, and of course for me as soon as they they sort of said that and they said that you know oh well it devolved into a bit of a chess match because um, we I think they destroyed each other's bases, but for me I you know as soon as they said that my eyes lit up because I was sitting there thinking Rathakon 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 <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, no, I you know, I, I, I wasn't part of it, so I don't really know what, you know, what that, that you know, what that experience was. But, you know, I, I I think certainly by having two bridges at the event, the fact that we had that available um was really cool. Um we'll have to see what we do next year, you know, in terms of um yeah, we'll certainly have two bridges available, but in terms of how much we can do head to head, we'll have to see if if you know if that's something people want. Um what I'd also say is, is you know, we did want to run a pulsar uh, room, so we may try and see if we can run a pulsar room next year uh, as well, so people can you know have a chance to to run around we and play that. You can just do that
0: in the LAN room, can't you? Really?
1: Yeah, I guess you could. I guess you could, but you know, sometimes it's nice to have a dedicated set of computers, particularly when those computers don't need to be particularly powerful, and also when. Uh, a lot of people who are coming haven't brought any computers. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I, c- I could potentially put four machines in the land room, you know, if uh, uh, if we do that next year. But I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll see. I don't want to, I don't wanna impinge on on anything too much that, that other people are doing.
0: Okay. Right. Uh, Neon's twenty four hour stream for special effects.
3: Newers, Newers, it was. Neewers. yes. He's, he's a relatively new streamer. Well, you know, he's not got the, the massive following, but he decided that on, I think, Friday and through Saturday, he would do a 24 hour stream to raise funds for special effects. And supported by the likes of DJ Truthsayer, who was there, Ed uh, Lewis was doing a stream on Saturday, and he did a wee interview with him. And, you know, it's, it's just awesome to see people stepping up. And any time one of these streams, like Newers, does one of these streams and they have the wonderful videos from special effects, it kicks you right square in the feels. It really does. To see, see how uh, amazingly simple, but how effective just being able to play a game, no matter how simplistic or silly the game is, just the minute they set up and you see whoever it is they're helping, whether it be a, a, you know a, a sort of older man who's been involved in some kind of life-changing accident who then suddenly is able to play FIFA. And it does seem to be an awful lot of FIFA because I think obviously it's one of those games that people uh, and young boys like to play with their friends, but even down to using Wii's and, and you're seeing them doing the, the Ninja Fruit games and stuff, Just to see the spark, the little sparkle in the eyes and the smile on a face that may not have had a smile for a number of months, if not years, due to pain, and to get that brief second of distraction is... Absolutely priceless, and I just hope people stop doing special effects streams because it's a particular weakness for me. It really is. I can't not support them. They deserve every penny. They deserve more. And uh, newers, I just wanted to sort of big, big you up and give you the huge... Uh, thanks that you deserve for raising an amazing total of £1,000 for your stream. I think it was just over £1,000 at the end of it all, but congratulations and well done, and thank you very much for for doing that for Special Effects.
0: Kudos to Nios.
3: We had one question, which was
0: uh, talking about um, Gamescom 16, and uh, I think we made some predictions at the end of episode 73A, so that's something we're going to have to dive into. Um, and we, I apparently we made some predictions about season three of Elite Dangerous, but well, we're always making predictions, so um, we'll have to revisit those, I guess, uh, after Gamescom. Does that mean we
3: uh, need to listen
0: to episode 73 again? Well, it said, well, he helped us out. He said it's at the tail end of 73. So,
3: see what we could do. We could take next week off and
1: just play it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, to, to be honest, we've we've made that many predictions over episodes, and um, you know, it'd be nice to see see some of them work if uh, if they they come about. Um
0: uh, no, my my guess is that none of them will work.
1: <laughs> bragging rights, though. Eh? We need to go back and check it and see who gets ultimate yeah, oh, yeah, bragging absolutely. rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm happy. You know, as as I've said today, I'm happy to admit that. I'm wrong, so if I am, sounds good
3: okay, Why is it right. someone gives you the refuel warning after you've pressed jump <laughs> it's going to take me two hours to refuel this oh, thing
1: <laughs> Just,
3: this is my fault for are you right? are you okay for petrol grants? yeah, yeah, it's a big glowing thing you... that I'm currently crashing into okay.
1: are you are you still in the orca yeah yes yes and and are you still flying to jacks? Yeah. yes I am. I'm still
3: I'm get I'm getting ever closer. How far have you got now? Right, let's have a look. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to go to the in-game map. I'm going to call up this wonderful 3D map um which is part of the ED What's that? Elite Discovery? Oh no, that's horrible. Nah. I don't know where Jax is on this though. It doesn't show... Um, you, just, you don't know where you are. <laughs> uh, let's go to the in-game one and have a look and see... <laughs>
1: don't crash. Don't crash.
3: It's alright, I'm currently... Co- I'm just cooking... You know you know that way they say never go to your star map when you're sitting refuelling? Nah, stuff like yeah. that, man. It's fine. Nothing... What, what could possibly go wrong? Right, so that's Jack Station over there, that big yellow thing. And if I turn around and look at where I've come from... Yeah, they still seem closer. Um... <laughs> <laughs> let's let's have a look and see uh click on that. Come on, come on, let me. Ah. Okay, well, let's go have a look and well, see. Well while you do that,
0: I'm gonna give a shout out to some people in the IRC channel. So uh thanks to Penguin, Arkhambaus, Commander Baxter, uh Commander Lennon, Commander Starion, Commander T Time, Commander Swarp, Galactic Midden is with us, uh Orcus Alpha, uh Jekalo, Jukalo, Ripped, and the GT. Thank you for joining us in the chat. It's a pleasure, as always. Uh, Ben, did anyone actually come and see you in-game?
4: Somebody said he was going to, but he didn't show up. (laughs) So tough. Uh, Voltamp did say he was going to try and say hello uh, about an hour ago, but I've not seen him.
0: No, you shouldn't have said his name if he didn't turn up. You've given him kudos for not doing anything now.
4: He, he was nice and said he's a fan of the show, so oh, okay.
0: I'll, I'll be
4: nice there, I suppose. All and right. then Slag him off not bothering to come and say hi.
0: <laughs> and uh, Twitch chat. I don't have Twitch open, unfortunately. Uh, but I wanted to give out uh, a shout to the LaveCon sponsors. Now, I know you guys have probably already done your LaveCon kind of deconstruction after the event. Um, and I haven't been on for a while. Um, I, I don't really have anything to say apart from it, it was fun. And it was great to see everybody again. Um, I'm not going to mention anybody by name because then I'll forget somebody and they'll get upset. Uh, But shout out to the sponsors. Of course, ED Tracker because they sponsored the event. Uh, And Michael Brooks' Old One Productions. Um, He brought those fantastic art prints, T-shirts and uh, his his chess sets that he's been putting together. (coughs) And the CCG and Board Game Social Trader uh, Elite Gaming Game Cab. That was awesome. That was really awesome. They, they set that up in the LAN. Um, we had to go in the cab. It was like sitting in a real cockpit um, with this massive um, subwoofer underneath you. So everything just kind of vibrated you. And they brought this old school arcade machine, which was fantastic. And HCS Voice Packs. So thank you to all you guys. Right, Cow, where are you?
3: I am about. It looks like sixteen thousand light years away from it.
0: Sixteen thousand.
3: Yes. You guys are off your heads. You really are. Uh... Okay. 000. I've done about six.
4: I was gonna say yeah. I think you're about. You were about sixteen thousand when I looked at you. Sorry. You're about seventeen thousand when I looked at you earlier. So.
3: Yeah, I managed to get a thousand light years done in tonight's show. Yeah. It does although I'm not quite there yet. I've still got 55 jumps to go to get a thousand. Um, it takes me about 120 jumps to do a thousand oh, light years. Yeah, <laughs> it Ouch. takes forever. It, it, it
4: was taking it was taking me 75 to 80 jumps to get to a thousand.
3: Yeah, that sounds a lot more fun.
1: See, the uh, only it's, yeah,
3: it's really not.
1: <laughs> the only comparison I can draw is I've I've got a book on Wattpad that. Um, is uh, is getting more and more reads because if anyone knows Wattpad Wattpad's a sort of free site that you can you can put your your, your stories up on one of my books is on there and it, it hit the featured list a couple of weeks back um and so over the last sort of 6 or 7 days um it's it's trebled in the number of reads that it's had um but it goes up very very slowly so of course you're looking at other you know other books that've been on there and have got millions of reads and uh you you know, you get a couple extra a couple of hundred extra a day and so on and so forth. So yeah, you know, I mean that's that's the only comparison I can make. But of course I don't have to sit and go into hyperspace and, and play on my joystick. I just had to do the writing. <laughs> I think Ben's <laughs> got a question about the the game cab.
3: Oh yeah. yeah I'm
4: just just wondering, John, actually, you know, you've obviously you've played with the game cab, which I didn't get a chance to go and do even though I did go and see it. And you've played in a Vive or a
0: uh, uh, Oculus Rift? No, no. Well, I've played in a, in a very early Rift. Yeah, not not the uh, production version, but yeah.
4: Okay, okay. So, which, given that if you could have one, which would you actually prefer?
0: Um, well, if it's just for playing Elite, I thought the game cab was awesome, and I, I thought it, it gives you a completely different experience. And it's, mm-hmm. it's worth having for Elite, you know, if you can afford it. I don't know yeah. how much they cost. But, you know, as for VR, I mean, I'd like to have VR, you know, in, in general, because there's going to be lots of different games for it, if you know what I mean. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the cab is ideal for flight simulators and Elite, Elite. and, you know. Yeah, so, L-
4: lots, of, lots of different tech demos for VR anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, hopefully that'll change. And when it does, hopefully the price of them will come down. I might actually buy one.
1: But uh... well, I've got I've got the gear now, and um, uh, that's particularly interesting for for watching three hundred and sixty videos. Um, the Olympics at the moment is is quite interesting. You uh, you load up the gear, and um, the default screen for the BBC Olympics coverage puts you suspended in midair above Brazil, and you look down, <laughs> and you basically you look down and you go, I should be falling. <laughs> it's quite it's quite strange. It's quite strange. You know, you can see Christ the Redeemer miles below you. You're like, I, I really should be falling. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, skydive directly into the Olympic Stadium and die. Great. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, you you see I mean the journey is quite long and labor you know laborious to to Jacks at the moment and and there's an awful lot of jumps. However, Ben had uncovered an interesting article that I think is probably worth to sort of bring up now, um, because it is spectacular actually. Um, Unfortunately, it was far too much processing for tonight to be able to do the stream and the broadcast and have this running. Um, But essentially, this commander, um, MacDaddyB, says he feels like he installed a stereo system in his ship um, and recorded a nice YouTube video of it working. So essentially, in your Vive headset, you use this thing called OpenVR Desktop Display Portal. And what that is is a little... um, Oh, crikey, what's it called? A Unity application that integrates with your Vive. And it allows you to pick uh, any one of your current active windows and display it in your Vive as an overlay. And you can shrink it and adjust it and twist it. And you can set up controls so that when you don't look at it, it disappears. But when you look at it, it reappears. So he has decided to use the Elite Companion app. Uh, as an interface, which is a small orange windows, it's got the same sort of coloured font as Elite and has options for uh, radio stations, for music and song file lists and and various different uh, information that you can get through that menu that you can then put in your Vive cockpit as an overlay. What I did was I captured VLC player and sat and watched Daredevil while jumping earlier on without having to take my heavy VR headset off. So I can just sit there and whenever I'm kind of jumping, I just look down a little bit and the screen appears as if by magic and I can sit and watch it. Playback's a bit stuttery. It is heavy on the old resources, but it does make using your VR and doing these long, boring jumps... Bearable and awesome, in fact. And of course, you could, you know, you could have an ebook reader there. Now, where I am struggling, and this is something that maybe other people have a solution for, is I use Voice Attack for Elite Dangerous. And in his guide, he kind of suggests that you use Voice Attack to control the menu system on it and to map keys to hot asses and things like that. The problem is when it's not the active window. So, Voice Attack, obviously, I've got it told to send to Elite Dangerous. And if you then make this app the active window you lose your controls to elite dangerous, so there must be some kind of way of of bridging the gap for the control system for these things just to sort of tie it together beautifully i use voice because it's much easier uh, if you have your uh, ability to just give those crazy controls especially for docking i mean docking request is amazing the quick changing of your Your energy levels as well is great from voice attack, and it's a bit of a laugh as well, and it plugs in beautifully with EDDI, which gives you all that wonderful information, and that plugs in beautifully with ED Discovery, giving you a fantastic log of all the places that you've been. So the combination of them all... There is not a one program that does it all and you end up with six or seven apps that are all semi-resource hungry running, bringing your CPU to its knees and uh, that's what happened earlier at the beginning of the show because I wanted to show you the look down and the window goes boom and appears just like the hologram ones at the side and also how you can adjust it and twist it and change it and make it bigger and smaller and slide it around in the world to make it feel great because the orca is stunning in the vive it is by far the most beautiful ship to look around in the vive it beats the ferderlands it's got you know it's got the t9 licked in the world's beautiful ships stakes but it is just gorgeous cuz to the right of you is stunning
1: uh, i mean what you were saying about that actually earlier and obviously the you know where we were trying to sort of set up and um, where Where things fell over a little bit uh, just at the beginning of the show, yeah it demonstrates I think at this point the the promise that this can you know, that this can give and you know and, and certainly once you can start bringing Windows into the game and I did kind of say this early on when I was talking about APIs. Um, things that encourage you to go in the game and play the game more are awesome. Um, things that encourage you to sit out of the game and continue to play with the game statistics and everything else. Not quite so awesome, you know, in, in my book. So this sounds like, you know, the fact that you can bring windows into your cockpit, essentially, um, sounds incredible. Um, so yeah, let's fast forward five years quickly. Um, as, uh, uh, Jarvis has got, um, we freeze your love, hasn't he? cryogenic freezing can <laughs> it we does, yeah. can, can we can we go and sign up you know uh, take the whole family would be great yes i
3: mean i think you know it, it, obviously you, you you end up with people who are watching um, their Netflix through it and stuff like that, and that's that's all great. It is just the control aspects that's foxy me. Yeah. But as I've only spent a day messing around with it, I may have it beaten. Uh, I am confused as to the serious level of CPU usage on this on this particular system because it should be able to handle it. Um, so I'll do some investigation there and see if there's something funky going on in my machine because I think the other machine, which is older, can do it. So. You know, that's the weird thing. But that, that's one for another. That's another one for an endless day of banging my head against the desk and then being climbed on by kittens. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I can bring an example of that or just record something. Because capturing it's going to be difficult because it is an overlay. So, I don't know how he managed to capture it.
1: Interesting. I'm I sure
3: know we'll that
4: over, um, OBS allows you to capture overlays, and there's a little checkbox in it.
0: All ah. right, to are we
1: going really to really let fun. the listeners go to bed? I yes. have. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think we were just—you know—we started about seven minutes late, so I think we were just trying to give them their money's worth there.
0: Uh, what their money's worth? Are, are we getting
1: paid for this now?
0: Uh, Sorry, did you not know that you got one hundred percent pay rise? Oh, yeah. nobody told me. <laughs> I'm going to phone my agent and have a word. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I've I, I, got, I've got PowerPoint presentations to put together for kids. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Right, I've got to wrap it up. So um, anyway, for, thanks to everyone I mentioned earlier for tuning in. Uh, that's it for another episode of Live Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email us, info at com. You can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash lave radio and we're at lave radio on Twitter. Um, uh, and you can also join the Discord chat channel by going to turnurl.com forward slash lave radio. Uh, and we also have a TeamSpeak server where there's always commanders hanging out and chatting, and that's Laveradio.teamspeak3.com. Is that still the URL? Because I think that I think that might have changed. No, no it should be teamspeak.laveradio.com. Thank you very much. I knew that didn't look right. I'll uh, update the notes. Um, so, yeah, as, as you know, if you're listening live, Live Radio is recorded uh, on Tuesday evenings at half past eight and streamed out at laveradio.com forward slash live. Thanks to all of you guys, Ben, Grant, and Alan, for joining me this evening. Uh, until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
5: Galnet News, 4th of August, 3302. We read Galnet News so you don't have to. The Pilots' Federation and Galnet. So just what is Galnet? A galactic data network is provided by and for the Federation of Independent Pilots, also known as the Pilots' Federation. The Pilots' Federation was created nearly 500 years ago. Its aim? was to allow independent pilots to share trade route information and to provide protection against piracy. To this end, the Pilots' Federation issues bounties against pirates and against any pilot who attacks a Pilots' Federation member. The Pilots' Federation is also the organisation that awards rankings to members, including the coveted Elite Ranking, which is awarded for combat skills, for trading and for exploration, and also for playing an esport combat simulator called Arena, or Close Quarters Combat. Galnet now includes news bulletins propagated around the galaxy from the Pilots' Federation news centre in Shinrata, Desra. Just how this is achieved remains mysterious, as data cannot travel faster than the speed of light. Sometimes it's best not to ask. Every ship has a Galnet News feed tucked away in the cockpit somewhere, probably covered in cobwebs. The first thing pilots do when docking at a starport is not read Galnet News. And so here's what Galnet News is reporting this week, so you don't have to read it yourself. <laughs> Jasmina Halsey announces her departure from the Federation. Onionhead-hating, Kappa bombing, Lou battling, ex-Federation boss, Jasmina Halsey, ...who went missing along with Starflight 1 in May 3301... ...and whose escape pod was rescued in February this year... ...after a search organised by her presidential successor, Zachary Hudson... ...has claimed that humanity is violently plundering the wealth of the galaxy... ...and announced that she's leaving the Federation. Halsey spoke to reporters after she attended her first public appearance... ...after her release from a secure psychiatric establishment on Sol 4... ...known locally as Mars... While not actually claiming to have been abducted by aliens, she said she had a duty to share the message contained in her experiences. That message is that humanity is repeating the mistakes of ancient history, stumbling blindly into space in pursuit of wealth and glory, heedless of the damage we cause. She added that we are a violent species, unable to cooperate and therefore deprived of the prosperity that true peace would bring. And in a shock move, she said that she'd been talking to Alliance Supremo, Edmund Mann, and she announced her intention to move to an Alliance-controlled system. The Federation is yet to comment. Edmund Mann condemns saber-rattling. Alliance Prime Minister Edmund Mann has appealed to the leaders of the Federation and the Empire to quit their sabre-rattling and has called for so-called barnacles to be protected. Mahan remembered that the history of human endeavor is littered with war, with conflict, with pettiness and greed. Far from leaving our baser instincts behind, he claimed that we've brought them with us into the cosmos. He stated his ambition for a truly unified civilization and lamented that the Federation and Empire did not appear to share his view. He ended with a plea to Empire and Federation to consider the consequences of their actions and to protect the barnacles, which he claimed might be the product of a non-human civilization. We could, he said, be on the brink of a new era of discovery. This is no time for military posturing. Meanwhile, in the rest of the galaxy, the Federation and Empire have been rattling their sabers over the supply of meta-alloys. Meta-alloys are a mysterious substance created by genetically engineered alien mining machines known as barnacles. They're the only known cure for UA bombing, which is a fun activity for organized groups of pilots everywhere, involving collecting the strange, mysterious, and beautiful unidentified artefacts, and selling them into a station's black market, whereupon station facilities start to malfunction to the merriment of all concerned. There are 11 starports closed due to UA bombing this week alone, and 10 starports experiencing some loss of service. Stations affected include Lave Station, two stations in 63G Capricorni, which is the home of the Diamond Frogs, Robigo Mines and Jacques Station. Meta-alloys are therefore a big deal. The Federation is setting up a new outpost in the barnacle-rich planet HIP 17225A1 for trade and resource processing. No prizes for guessing what resource they have in mind. The Empire has appealed for pilots to bring meta-alloys to Axon Station in the Zagoro system, stating that it would be unwise to allow anyone to establish a monopoly on this material. No prizes for guessing who that anyone might be. And no prizes for guessing who the non-human civilization Edmund Mann was talking about might be. It might be better for all concerned if we all head off to help prepare Jacques station. And that was this week's Galnet News. We read the Galnet News so you don't have to.